The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. Hello you gorgeous lot and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast. Elaine here, how are you all doing? Hope you're all looking after yourselves, staying well, um, still wearing your masks, washing your hands and if you're like me, feeling very uneasy and unsettled by the fact that it's really quite mild for this time of year, January into February. You know, usually we'd have had plenty of frost on the ground and maybe some snow, but yeah, I it's um yeah for those people who are unsure the climate crisis is actually here just in case you weren't aware anyway back to the podcast um today i chat with irish author and screenwriter denise deegan we cover so many different subjects we talk about previous jobs where we started out um the joy of finding a voice and a story um the the youth of our society and what they bring and the just the fact that they are undervalued and underestimated so much um so that was really beautiful to hear. Um, we talk about Denise moving from obviously different career to different career. Um, and as we recorded this at the end of November, um, just before we started talking, we had been discussing um, that Denise had once worked um, in as a checkout assistant in a shop. So we chat about that. So I bring that up quite early on. Um, also, just to say, uh, during the podcast, there's a couple of times that the Zoom goes a little bit funny, but it's okay. We're still going with it. Um, you know, the Zoom is allowing us to be able to chat with incredible people all over the world and bring those episodes to you. And it really is amazing. Um, and it's one of the things that when technology is great, it is amazing. Um, also, because we did... Um, Record this at the end of November 2021. There is a couple of mentions about uh, the Omicron variant, but not too much. You can follow us on all social media. Twitter, at Persistent Nasty. Instagram, at Persistent and Nasty. Facebook, Persistent and Nasty. You can always leave us an email to persistentandnasty at gmail.com. If you want to support us, the link to our PayPal is in the show notes of this episode. If you want to follow myself and Louise on Twitter or Instagram, um, Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on both Instagram and Twitter. And I am at Elaine.stirrit on Instagram and at Elaine Stirrit on Twitter. Please remember to like, subscribe, download and review the episode and the podcast. It really makes such a huge difference. Um, and thank you for all of you who have already done so. For today's episode, I suggest... Mm, do you know, because it is two Celts having a chat, I think if you like it, get yourself a little whiskey. And that's whiskey without an E if you're Scottish and with an E if you're Irish. Uh, for everybody else, go for a cup of coffee, drink a juice, water, or as we know I love, just a good old cup of tea. Sit back, relax, 
and enjoy. Um, Denise Deegan, welcome to the Persistent and Nasty podcast. Thank you so much, Elaine. It's great to be here. It's lovely to have you. Um, Now, for our listeners who may not know you, um, Denise is a screenwriter, author, and um, yeah, give us a bit more. I believe that you were a checkout girl as well at one point. Oh, I was. Yes, one Christmas when I was... um, studying but that was that of all the careers I've had and I've had very very many I was a nurse I was a pharmaceutical rep I worked in PR lots of things but checkout girl was the hardest you know it was just so so high pressure and you know you, you just got no respect you know um so I wrote so I wrote a short story based on that and um would you believe I actually also audio recorded it somebody asked me to do the the um the voiceover for it and it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done it was so hard like hats off to actress actresses and actors like I was like I'm, I will never ever do a whole novel this was just a short story so I'll never I'm putting it on record here ever <laughs> <laughs> record one of my books I'm sure I'm sure there are a lot of a uh, Irish actors right now going yes I will uh, get that get that audio book from Denise I can do the audio anyone would be better than me anyone <laughs> um Honestly. yeah isn't it funny like people just have no respect for you when you work like when you're that kind of public facing job and, and the managers as well so it was so it was Christmas so everybody was in a hurry so they were they're trying to get through the checkout and this is this is a good while ago and this is before barcodes so if, if a sticker had come off you had to remember what the price of it was and you, you do get to know stuff after a while but I, I thought when I was taking on the job this could be really fun it's Christmas everything's gonna be in great form no everybody was like in a hurry you were in their way you were a block to them getting home and they let you know about it and then the managers in this particular um, supermarket where I worked were obnoxious to the staff and you had to call them Mr. Such and Such and yeah and if they didn't like you they would give you a horrible job so this particular guy didn't like me I always get that um, but anyway, um, yeah, I know. We can, we can um, tap into that later on, Denise. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a little cry here in the corner. Anyway, he, um, he would make me face off, which is basically organize the freezer. So I'd be there with my hands freezing cold, and, you know, and he was delighted with himself. Um, but yeah, so it didn't, it didn't last too long. It was, it was for Christmas. And oh, do you know what I did? Actually, the, the uniform was so, um, such terrible material that when I was ironing it, the iron burned a hole in the uniform. And then when I was giving back the uniform at the end, right, they wanted me to pay for it because I'd put a hole in it. I know. I know. God, I hate corporations. I know. It's like, oh my God, it's worth probably 50 cents. It's so terrible. Like the fabric was awful. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, that, now, was my, that was my experience as a checkout girl. So let's kind of go back to your writing and start from there. Give us a give us the Denise Deegan potted history. Okay. Okay. So I obviously have been lots of things and I didn't plan to be a writer. So what happened was a friend, so I was at this point running my own PR business. My, I was pregnant with one child and my other child was two. No, she wasn't. She was one. Um, and my friend. Well, that's, that's, that's quite a quick turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, a friend of mine persuaded me to do a master's in public relations because we were in the same class and this, our class was the first that qualified for this. So. 
I didn't particularly want to do it, but I said, look, do I have to study or what is it? And she said, no, no, it's all research. So you're grand. So I signed up for it and then she didn't do it. But anyway, it, it turned out great. I loved it. And when I was doing this literature review thing that you have to do, you know, you have to read up on all the things that's been written on the subject. I realized a book should exist that didn't exist. So I wrote it and then that got published. And then I just got this huge, crazy desire to write fiction out of the blue from nowhere. Absolutely mad. Gave up my PR business. Mental to do this. Like, I mean, <laughs> Honestly, if somebody came to me and said, will I give up my PR business, my lucrative PR business to become a writer? I go, no, 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 no. <laughs> Start writing and, and keep the business going, which is actually in fairness what I tried to do. Yeah. But then I wasn't getting time for the stories. The minute I gave up the business, this big idea came. Within six months, I had a, you know, an agent and a publisher. So it was the right thing, but it just yeah. wasn't the sensible thing. But it was yeah. right. It was right for me. It was so right for me. Yeah. And that's the thing about the arts, isn't it, though? It's like that leap of faith that you take. And whatever whatever avenue you are in the arts, it's just, it's like you do that leap of faith and because it is right for you. And you hope, like I say to myself, you know, people who live into their 90s, they're all artists, they're playwrights, they're writers, they're actors. This is what I say to myself regularly. <laughs> well, I, th- I think there is something about doing what you love and what kind of keeps you inspired that probably does keep you young. Like For whether- sure. And like all those changes in my career, every time I change, that, that is one thing I felt. I felt young again. Just the thing of taking a risk, of doing what you want and just just letting go and taking a chance, you know? Um, and so I've done that a lot, but, but you would think that it would get easier, but actually each time it just got harder. But yeah, so, so even within the writing, I was writing novels, but my passion has always been film. And a fr- another friend of mine seems to me that friends just get me to do things. Anyway, this other friend wanted me to do some courses. And um, so there's, I'm sure you have the same um, in Scotland, but we have Screen Ireland, um, yeah. which is like effectively the film board and they they have a training arm that is called Screen Skills Ireland but is now going to be all the one it's all going to be Screen Ireland but there were they do great courses so she signed me up and because I love film I was passionate about these these were fascinating to me so I kept doing them and um, and so I've ended up yeah so I've ended up writing screenplays yeah which is uh, brilliant it's very brilliant. different as well from the novel. So it was, you know, a big change. A big yeah. Learning curve. Um, you definitely don't use the same techniques. I mean, you do some, you know, um, three-act structure and all that jazz. But, um, but it's just such a different um, discipline. Mm-hmm. And, and structure is such an important part of it. And that's something that I would have in the beginning have been a little bit nervous about you know can I do it can I do it can I do the structure like this and and am I going to lose my big concern was am I going to lose creativity if I just try and fit into the structure am I going to lose um you know when you write a novel when I write a novel I just hear voices in my head I hear the voices of my characters speaking so it comes to me in dialogue and I just throw it all down and and you can do that with a novel because it's sort of naturally instinctively has its own um, beat and it works um, and it does have its own three-act structure but not in a very organized way whereas with mm. screenwriting you've got your what, 90 pages and you need to you know 
make it all work. So you do, and you do have to stick to the structure. And, and, and I've learned that it works. Um, so I have to trick myself into it kind of, you know. Yeah, it's, it's like a shift, right? It's shifting your kind of process as well as like the way the head's going. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And obviously you've written quite a lot of um, novels for young teens um, and young adults. Um, and what kind of inspired that? Was that just like what came to you or was it the fact that you were a mum or, you know, just kind of realising that those... Sometimes I think the stories for our young people aren't as they are kind of played down to rather than up to. So what happened was I had no intention of writing for for any audience. And I think if I had, you know, deliberately gone down that route, I probably wouldn't have been able to do it, you know, because it's very specific and the voice has to be very true because people, you know, young people smell it a mile away if 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 you're trying to be them. So I what happened was I do love young people and I love kids I I just I'm passionate about them no matter what I'm writing no matter whether it's it's film or novels or what age group it's for because I write women's fiction as well always young people will be there because they're to me I just think they're the best humans before all the weathering and erosion of life yeah Um, it's true it's true so what happened was myself and a friend she's an artist this is another friend different person I love Um, this collection of friends you have Denise (laughs) it's like everybody should get a collection of friends like this that push you to do stuff and you know this is an epiphany to me as I'm speaking to you I'm thinking oh my god each time it was a friend (laughs) so so this other friend is an artist a visual artist and we were going to do a picture book together because for me I just think picture books are like art galleries I just think they're so beautiful and the words are minimal but they're kind of perfect so so we thought yeah that's what we'll do we'll combine and we'll do a picture book so we were brainstorming in a coffee shop and we were coming up with terrible ideas that were so boring I'm not joking and one of these ideas one of the many boring ideas was that this dad would go to Spain, right, um, for work. And he'd come back and he'd tell his little girl all about Spain. So it'd be kind of like an introduction to Spain, but boring, right? Where's the story there? Nothing, <laughs> right? So what happened was, and then this voice came into my head, this teenage voice, really angry. So it was a girl, she was 16. She was really giving her dad a hard time. She was so sarcastic and hurtful, but also vulnerable. And I just wrote it down. I thought, what is this? Where is this coming from? And I just just wrote it down on a napkin. I didn't know where it was going. And I have had novels that I started and I've abandoned. I've walked away from like, I mean, one time I was really sick when I was doing one and I was making myself do it and I shouldn't have. I wasn't well enough to do it. So um, so I thought, well, maybe this is something that's going to be nothing. Maybe it's going to be a short story. I did not think it would turn into a trilogy, a YA trilogy, which it did. But when it was written and when a journalist was asking me about that exact question, where did it come from? Suddenly it hit me. Oh, my God. It came from, I think, my subconscious telling me that when a dad is away or a parent is away, it's not necessarily a good thing for the kid. And so the story that that came out of that, the, the first in the trilogy, is about a young girl whose mom has died and her dad is not coping. And so she's lost both her parents and it's about her struggle. And I think that's where it came from. Um, so, yeah, and that triggered the Butterfly Novel trilogy. Do, do, do. <laughs> which is being made into a series well the middle one the, so the middle one I've picked the middle one is did you like my like is this is this news it. did you like my little face of is this news is this is this I'm here <laughs> in the open yeah. 
<laughs> I did. And the hair stroking was good. Too. I know, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was, um, so I decided, so, okay, to go back to my teenage life, when I was a teenager, I thought everybody thought like I did, okay, naively. And then I fell in love and I realized that actually, hello, people think incredibly differently. They might look, you know, similar on the outside. They might speak the same, blah, 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 go to the same school. Um, but when you get inside their head, it's just a different world. So I wanted the trilogy, once I decided I was doing it, to be each book from a different point of view of three friends. So the second friend is a girl called Sarah. And in the first book, Sarah was the most immature of the three friends. And I didn't like her very much. And yeah, I know. And then I had I had to then do a novel about her. And I thought, oh, no. Oh, no. How do I do this? I don't like her. Um and so what I did was, I don't know whether you know The Artist's Way, that book. By yeah, yeah, Peter. yeah. I love it. It's like some people love it, some people hate it, but I love it. So one of the things that you do in this, it's a book about being creative and, and introducing more creativity to your life in whatever form that might be. Um, so one of the things she suggests is that once a week you target, take yourself on an artist's date. So you go somewhere on your own. It could be a beach, building sand classes, just to, you know, nourish your inner child. So I was making my, I'm a bit of a workaholic, so this doesn't come naturally to me. This feels to me like dossing, you know, mm. where you're just not doing what you should be doing. So anyway, I got in the car, I started driving and I was going to um, Kilmainham Jail. So it's an old jail that we have here in Ireland. It's just a tourist attraction now, um, but a lot of famous people were there, historic rebels and stuff like that in history. So I get in the car, I start driving, I'm driving along, and I suddenly realize, oh my God, Sarah's going to shoplift. Now, once I had that, I'm not joking, the whole story just unfolded, and she grew into this most likable, strong character. She grew up in the story. So it's a story that 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 I grew to love. I love Sarah. I love the guy that she falls for it's a love story it's sad um I won't say what happens but it's sad um but it's sad and funny because that's I think it's probably a Scottish thing but it's an Irish thing too we're kind of we mix light and dark all the time all the time yeah so, yeah <laughs> it's definitely part of our culture I think that thing it's like sure. yeah that kind of I suppose some people would call it gallows humor and it's you yeah. know it, but it is it's very much yeah, we definitely we definitely do. That's the the Celts. My theory, and sure. my theory. Are you ready? Is our history? We both were invaded, um, and we. I think. I think. Okay, well, let's not fight about this. But I think maybe we have been we struggled for longer because, like, we were fighting them for longer. But anyway, um, that's absolutely no, absolutely, absolutely. Our history and then our weather. Yeah, yeah. you have to laugh. You have to laugh. This is so true. It's when it's so dark. Sometimes you're like, mm, I need to find the light. The light will be comedy. Yeah. 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 And I think it just comes very naturally. I don't even think we make it happen. So one of one of my novels is about um, a revolution that we had in Ireland called um, the 1916. It was the Easter Rising. and um, But also it was happening at the same time as World War One. Yeah. And Irish Irish rebels actually joined the British army, believe it or not, even though they were the total enemy, because they were promised that Ireland would get its freedom after the war which they thought would last a few months anyway these young lads went off to Gallipoli which is now Turkey and were annihilated so I have them in the trenches and just the humor it's the bleakest of situations 
but that's how we get through. We just laugh. And, and it wasn't me saying, oh, I am now going to be funny because this is what we do. Like with this book, I just felt that these, these soldiers were channeling through me. Like I had read this book, it was an amazing book that was written in 1917 about this regiment of soldiers that went out to Gallipoli. And um, at the back of it had little photographs of some of the soldiers. And what struck me was, they were just so real. They were they were like modern boys. You know, they sometimes you see historical photographs and they just don't look like people that you, you would know or recognize yeah. or relate to. But these were like, you know, my God, so vibrant and they could be they could be on the street today. And a few of those young men, I just thought, okay, well, I'm going to put them as minor characters, my main characters fiction. But I, I don't know whether it was the magic of doing that, but I just felt an awful lot of, of what was coming to me it was just, was just arriving it was just t- channeling through me um so the humor was was almost like their humor it sounds weird but anyway but to get back to your original question which I completely diverted from <laughs> totally fine I'm loving it I'm absolutely oh, loving good. it like great so, so the second in the trilogy the butterfly trilogy that's the one that's going to be hopefully a film so Screen Ireland have given me funding to do um a screenplay for that and that's in progress at the moment and I'm loving it yeah I think I think it's really interesting what you say about you know initially not liking Sarah and yeah. then you know falling in love with her and it's that thing of like when we're when we're growing up and we hit that really awkward teenage years like we kind of don't like ourselves our parents are getting at us like we can't find who we are so probably some people don't really like us but actually that's not it's like you've got to move past that I think that's something really lovely about you know you having that experience with that character yeah and she's exactly like that she's she has to just actually realize that she has inner strength and she's okay because she doesn't think she's okay she thinks that everyone is better Sarah thinks she is you know that she would love to be her friend for instance one of her friends if only she could be like her her mom would be happy with her you know because she's focused she's driven she knows what she wants to be Sarah hasn't a clue what she wants to be um and and she's always messing up so you know, the, the girl in the first book, Alex, who lost her mum. So of the three friends, Sarah always puts her foot in it. She always says the wrong thing. And then because she's trying to say the right thing, she, she makes it even worse. And yeah. she knows. And as a result, the other two friends get closer. And so she's on the edge of that. And then her parents break up. And then she's with this guy that she shouldn't be with at all because she thinks it's better to be with someone than be with no one. Um, so she's she's a mess at the start, but she does. What happens is she 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 gets caught, obviously shoplifting, and um, she has to do community community service. So she meets this guy who, in the beginning, is incredibly angry because of the situation he's in. He takes it out on her, and she starts to fight back. And that's the very 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 beginning of her finding her strength, and and they fall in love, and it's. Um, heartbreaker <laughs> it's a heartbreaker yeah I mean yeah I mean it was so fingers crossed like the filming will start well yeah I mean I need to I need to finish and I'm on the third draft now and, third draft. and, and I and I love it they've, they've they've given me a script editor and I love her to pieces she's fantastic and I just think that's so important to, to be working with someone who just it's it's just when it just feels easy you know, yeah. So, so yeah, and it's 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 really coming together, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, and when it comes together, like, would you really like a kind of not all female team, but you know, a lot of women 
as you mentioned, like just I think that kind of energy can really be interesting on a set. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd love, I'd love, I'd love all female. <laughs> why not? Why not? We'll why take not? them all. We'll take them. We'll take them all. Yeah, and um, you also said about writing fiction for women, but you write it under a pseudonym, don't you? I do. I write under so my kids' names, Amy and Alex, uh, combined. So Amy the French way. Uh, so that's A I M E E because the other spelling there's I think there's an Amy Alexander who's writing vampire lesbian erotica so that's not me that was not you I would not know how to I wouldn't know where to start but yeah so no mine would be more like um I suppose they're kind of family stories um and issues issues based once again but but always with a light touch you know yeah yeah do you think that like that like you know talking about that and it's obviously the light touch comes from being Irish and our culture but does do you think it maybe also comes from like your background as well was yeah, it, I mean that... I'm hilarious I'm I mean you are I'm, <laughs> I'm loving it and yes you are <laughs> sorry I couldn't help <laughs> no I love it please don't apologize <laughs> you absolutely are Oh yeah, well, I just it just arrives in my stories. I mean, I'm, I don't I don't say I'm going to put a funny bit in now, but um, but it is interesting. I mean, I'm sort of on the third draft now of of this. Um, it's called Anthrier Information, and it's it's working structurally. It's working, and it's working in every way now. And I just really have to go back in and do a little bit more character work in terms of just making it real Sarah, you know? Yeah. Um, and that is, in, in a lot of cases, introducing the humour. So I'm going back now to the book and picking out little pieces that I just think, you know, are funny. And then people yeah. connect with, because people connect with humour. Um, so um, they might just be one-liners and 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 a lot of YA has um, voiceover. So she has voiceover and, um, and it's important for her because we get to see what's inside her head. So she's putting forward a certain character and what's going on in her head is the opposite. So, yeah. So, yeah. That kind of like contrast. And that's that thing that everybody can, no matter what gender you are, like everybody can understand that because we've all got an internal voice going on all the time. That's yeah. not what we're putting out front. I, I saw this fascinating TED talk and of course I can't remember the name of the person but she was um, a doctor um, she was I'd say in her 60s American and she was either a neurosurgeon or a neurologist but she completely knew all about the brain that was her whole area and she got a stroke and what was really really interesting is one side of her brain was affected um, so the the logical thinking side was was almost shut down and the other side sort of came to the fore and she said it was unbelievable she said it was like um you know she she described that the edges you know the edges of your body like where they it was as if they merged with the outside world as if I suppose she was high really yeah but as if she was one with nature, the universe, the world. And wow. this is this is how we would feel if we didn't have the other side of the bra- brain saying to us, okay, you did that before and look what happened. You're not going to do that again. So, but anyway, she was in her struggle and, and, and what was really hard for her is, be, well, first of all, the fascinating thing was, A, she was able to analyze it. She's having the stroke. She's analyzing this herself. She's also trying to get the the sign of her brain that's shutting down to get her to a hospital. 
when it's it's not really working it was so fascinating but what what I took from that is just if we could shut down those thoughts inside our head the things that we would do and and how we would experience life and the universe Mm -hmm. so differently and more joyfully and I think Mm -hmm. just more connecting with say nature but people um and a lot less fear yeah I'm hard to do that I don't, I'm not recommending everybody goes out and has a stroke but no no but the, the no but that sense of you know taking that fear away is interesting because mm. you know things so many things that we do in our own lives but then in society as well is based around fear our reactions to other people to things is based around fear so really I'm going to see if I can find it and if I can find it I'll oh, link yeah. it in. Oh, ble- um, yeah I'll also have a look for it um because yeah. I, I have another friend who told me about that one um and so I can ask her this is going to be <laughs> this podcast is Denise and her friends <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Denise et al <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I love about kids as well kids don't have that they don't have those thoughts they're just out there going oh that looks fun oh sweet yay you know and life is joyful and why would you want to go to bed because life is great you know um and if we could just keep that alive that's why I'm, I'm always writing them because they're just fabulous like that 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 historical novel I was it's called through through the barricades um there was a little girl came into that who hadn't I hadn't planned on writing her at all and she just just arrived found a little place for herself in the story that grew and she became a really important character and I love her and I just don't think the book would be the same without her so yeah yeah. yay yay to kids (laughs) yeah I mean yeah yeah, I'm 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 with you on that I think they're they always make you look at things totally differently and kind of make you stop in your tracks and are like for sure oh oh, yeah a hug from a kid like a hug from a two-year-old oh my god like just throw their whole bodies into it you know yeah and also, if they don't want to do it, they're like, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> I absolutely love that their boundaries are there. They're like, yes. no, it's yeah. not happening. Love that. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. this is what we need more in the world. Yeah. Boundaries, please. That's such a great point. Like, especially when their parents are trying to get them to perform. Yeah, forget it. Yeah. Anyway, no. Or, you know, like that thing of, oh, go and kiss such and such. Yeah. But actually, no, they don't want to. So it's fine. Yeah, thank God that's gone. Hopefully, I know. Yeah. I mean, I go like I go to see my um, my niece and nephew a lot, and my niece is too, and she is absolutely her own person, like absolutely. And I'm like, hi, big hugs, like because my nephew will give me the biggest hug, and I absolutely love it. I'm like, oh yeah, and then I'm like, hi, she's like, uh. I'm busy. <laughs> she literally is like, sometimes I barely get a reaction. I'm crushed but I'm like well I'm not pushing you honey because it's all about your consent so absolutely fine yeah um but I do then then they'll come and show you something or tell you a story and you're like wow their little minds are so they're so incredible I think we need to pay more attention to the kids yeah (laughs) a lot of the time yeah so apart from doing the third draft Mm -hmm. what else have you been working on recently okay so I have this little short film that I love and it, it sort of arrived I don't feel I did it I feel it sort of arrived to me and it's called the innkeeper and um that it's about a little girl who wants to be the innkeeper in the 
school play and um, no she doesn't she wants to be anything she had her hands going up and the teacher is a perfectionist and she really just doesn't think that Holly is a safe pair of hands so she's overlooking her for everything and finally she gives her the innkeeper and Holly's thrilled and her mom says yes it's a pivotal role and she's all excited and um, then what she wants to do is she wants to give the uh, Mary and Joseph a room and <laughs> love it and the teacher's cancer so anyway I won't tell you the ending of that but that's that's been shortlisted for um there's um a fund called the film pitch fund in the UK oh my god it's such a brilliant um initiative so so they that you you basically do a pitch you pitch your story and then um they'll shortlist it down then for the people who've been shortlisted I think 20 people they get a really amazing workshop on on pitching and on financing right so then people who go forward to be finalists and I've I am going to be, I am one actually. Um, so what they do is they organize this amazing residential um, three days where you go and get amazing workshops um, on the industry and all sorts of relevant um, things, which, which are fantastic. Um, and then in January, you have to then, this is, this is the crunch, you have to pitch to five industry people and um and then if you win your sh- your short will be made you'll get twenty thousand sterling to make your short so that's my dream at the moment um, okay yeah well, we'll put it out there okay, like, yeah yeah oh, no, that's, I, that's... I'm, I'm so fond of that story I just love it to pieces so there's that then I have another one that is a novel um and I'm adapting that as well which is much darker it's YA dark um uh it's again it's not a million miles from the squid game idea but it was pre-squid the squid game that I had it so I don't know whether it's a good thing that squid game has come out or not but anyway it has and um so so I'm I'm sending that out to a few people um and um what else am I doing um there's one other thing oh yeah there's just been a call out um, from Screen Ireland for a 25-minute um, drama that will be played on TV. So I'm preparing something with a co-writer, um, yeah, who I met on one of the Screen Ireland funds. We both got a fu- we both got funding and we met each other through that and we're helping each other with our work. And we thought, oh, actually we work quite well together. So we're going to pitch in together for um, for that. So it's, it's something, you know, that it's, there's no guarantee anything will happen, but we're we're working on that and we're yeah. talking to producers um uh, well a producer about that so fingers crossed that will go in um so they're all sort of keeping me busy yeah great I love um I just love how you know honest you are about you know applying for all of these funds because people would probably think they'd be like oh Denise Deegan she's had so many books there's been so much success but you're moving into a different part of the industry um but I just really love the fact that how open you are about it because there are some people that I think there's a fear there again that word's like bringing it up and um yeah just again how wonderful you are and (laughs) thank you (laughs) no but I think it's really important that people hear that you know that you've been in one pathway for such a long time and then it changes and it's not quite going back to the start but it is in that sense of you're you're in a new um 
new meet meetings and yeah my dad used to say that actually that 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 when I that well his theory was he he died sadly but um his theory was that um I would do something and then I would learn, 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 learn how to do it. And once I knew how to do it, I get bored and then jump onto something else. But I don't know whether that's true or not. But um, yeah, it just, just thinking of that, it just reminded me of, of another film that I've that I've written, which is um, it's called Tough Old Broad. So it's about um, an older woman who's um, she was a lawyer and she was called the Rottweiler. And she's like the ultimate fighter. You know, she will always fight first and um so she's um she's she's loosely based on my dad you know he 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 inspired her um and um so it's a a sort of intergenerational comedy drama with this elder woman and she takes on the bully of a teenager so there's a teenage volunteer who comes in and and nina the main character realizes she's being bullied and she's mute as a result and nina just sees red and she goes all out goes too far and then learns then that she must no the fighting isn't always the way and she has to let her husband go because he is he doesn't want to fight anymore in terms of he wants to die so it's kind of it's funny but it's poignant as well yeah so that one so that's another one. i'm that's sure one. all the um older uh, actor actresses in um ireland's ears have just perked up on that they're like yes yeah but just either i i'll tell you who i want my dream cast dream are you ready okay (laughs) so judy downs to play nina maggie smith to play her nemesis right because i just think they'd have so much fun can you imagine if the two of them were on set together and they were enemies i just think you know i I, they're friends in real life so i think that would be yeah great a great great fun project and then bill nye is um Nina's husband too a bit like sort of the the best uh, exotic marigold hotel rides again kind of thing that's my dream I'm putting it out there absolutely (laughs) see what see what happens yeah I mean it sounds like there's quite a lot happening in Ireland like um just obviously because of Covid and the numerous lockdowns that we've been through um how is everything kind of getting back on its feet in Ireland well in terms of the film industry you just can't get crew because there's so many things filming at the moment. Like it's just buzzing. Um, so I'm not sure what's going to happen now with the latest variant, but for the moment, it's so busy. You can't, you literally can't get crew. Um, I mean, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but in terms of the country, there's sort of a feeling that there's something coming lockdown why <laughs> yeah, I think I think yeah we're kind of getting that feeling I know as well yeah. and I'm like oh no yeah. how's theatre been in Ireland is it is it kind of back up and running because we were behind England and Scotland so we're only just kind of since September like theatres are back open fully um yeah. I'm not I'm actually not sure because I've been keeping a low profile myself I've been sick just recently as well I don't know I mean I've had the test the test and it was negative but oh I don't know it feels a lot like it so um so yeah so yeah it's just a weird time I mean it's it's just been going on so long now hasn't I know it? Yeah. I know as yeah. do you think do you think as a writer Mm-hmm. it's kind of been helpful for you in that sense of like there was a limit of distractions or actually has it gone the other way in the fact that it wasn't 
kind of normal quote unquote whatever normal I think it was helpful in one way and not so helpful in another way so I think in one way it was really helpful like there were so many webinars and things that were so interesting like say for instance connecting with the states which would normally they'd just sort of be all LA and you know <laughs> we'd be absolutely outside. yeah so there have been some amazing you know conferences that I made some amazing connections so that's been really good but I think in terms of inspiration I think that that artists really benefit from not being at their desk all the time and just getting out and living and so that was a little bit shut down but but having said that then through through meeting people through various things like the the screen ireland um funding <clears throat> it's great the way people can spark off each other yeah so now working with this this um writer um on this submission it's just incredible the, the way the ideas bounce, you know, off each other and how you can just the energy, you can come up with more interesting nuanced solutions more quickly. Um, yeah. And it just, it has a different energy and I love that. So that's great. Um, so it's kind of pros and cons. Yeah. I mean, Generally yeah. probably pro, but I would be probably an optimist anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm getting that vibe. I'm absolutely getting that vibe. <laughs> <laughs> my next question I don't know how, I, so you've had a varied career yes. which I love and I think that's so important as an artist that we experience so many different parts of ourselves and we're not you know we don't limit and we don't let society limit us either but I'm really interested to know of all of your careers and currently this one right now have you found any blocks by being a woman Oh, interesting. Okay, so I'll have to just go through them. So obviously being a nurse, most nurses are women, so that was not a problem. Although I did find that that some women weren't very supportive of each other. Like when, when I was training, it was like being in the military and, you know, I, I was bullied um, um, at work. So um, if there were blocks, they were from other women. So there's mm. that. When I was a pharmaceutical... Which is rep- one thing that we, we always hate to really talk about it, don't we? Yeah. We don't want to acknowledge that actually that kind of internalized misogyny that we that we have we need to kind of really look at for sure and when I was a rep no that was all performance based that was grand Um, and you're kind of your own boss you're out in the road you don't really meet too many people except the doctors that you're visiting which was hilarious and fun Um, and uh, then what did I do I went back and I did PR again that's pretty pretty um, female uh, it is actually really yeah. female I wonder what it yeah. is about that that makes it so female orientated I wonder I wonder is it because I well I mean I don't want to generalize but I just think women are good communicators in you know by nature we, we kind of have to be because we're often say the peacemakers the people families um so and, and PR is all about communication um, so I, th- I think that, but obviously, I suppose, historically, you've got industries that are one way, and I, I presume they just kind of often keep going unless there's some sort of big, you know, change. But um, so How have you found it moving from, um, obviously, being a, a novelist mm-hmm. to into the screen industry as a female? How's that going? Um, hey, at the moment, I think I hit it at a lucky spot because, you know, there are a lot of projects now that are that are um promoting diversity and um I think it's a time when a lot of white single males are feeling a little bit annoyed because yeah we're actually getting a chance now so yeah um, yeah so I think it's been a it, it's been a good time I haven't I, I'll be honest I haven't experienced 
anything that I would know of obviously because so much of that you don't ever find out really do you right yeah um, and that's it yeah but yeah. but I would say I would say no um good this is I what I like to hear <laughs> I'm like I've, there's a couple of people who've been like no I haven't I'm like great that's that's the answer that's to the, hopefully the point that on the podcast I stop asking that question <laughs> yeah no I mean producers have been really really open and interested and I can't say now and and obviously you know in in various competitions or whatever you know international competitions stories about women must be welcome because I've been doing well with stories about women so I just think I've been lucky at the time that I've come in actually Mm -hmm. that there is a focus on diversity at the moment yeah and I should laugh and say diversity being a woman shouldn't be a diverse thing 50% of us are women so but you know what I mean um that's the sad thing about it but we are we might as well be diverse because of the way things have been for sure yeah no absolutely um and I think you know the constant people calling that out and there is there definitely seems to be a real push within the industry the film industry in particular for female writers and female producers and directors um, and cinematographers um to yeah to really which is is vital I think because all of our points of view and actually is isn't it something like women are the ones that go to the cinema more than men anyway yeah yeah Yeah. and I think I think even older women do too more older women, believe it or not it's a bit yeah. like when um, when self-publishing started the big big people who you would think it would be young people would dive in first but no it was older female women and a lot of them wanted to get you know exotica because they they could you know it was the, the private way to do it um so yeah yeah because but I think heaven, I think, heaven for fans that a woman would want to be stimulated in any way possible God. I, think, um, I, I think maybe it might be uh, okay this is my it's not my experience but it's my guess that it would be harder for a female director than it would be for a female writer because there a there are less of them and I think you know they might get more kickback you know from certain male elements of a crew I don't know I mean you've had more people on you've been asking them so maybe that has been the experience but I think from a writer's point of view it's probably a good time thank god to be a woman yeah 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 and the other thing that helps as well of course if you've got what they call IP you know if if you've got novels and 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 solid um that's attractive um so so that's so that's good too that that's very of the now too um this this importance of IP um so so yeah lucky there as well yeah yeah um before we finish up we um like to ask uh, a question so um we're called persistent and nasty um for a reason um persistent is from the Elizabeth Warren quote nevertheless she persisted and when we um began our initiative and then podcast grew from that um we were reclaiming words like bossy that gets used about uh girls all the time or money or you know they're emotional um that is always against women they tend to be and um the previous president of the united states had called um hillary clinton a nasty woman for 
you know, just daring to give him some actual facts. So there was a whole Twitter thing, and I don't know if you saw at the time about all these nasty women that were like CEOs, and it was just reclaiming that word. So that is why we're called persistent and nasty. So we like to ask our guests, Denise Deegan, what <laughs> does persistent and nasty mean for you? Well, persistent is what you have to be in any artistic field. That's for sure. And I was just, in fact, I was even just thinking about it today. Of all the people that I know who are right, that the thing that they have most in common is that they persisted. Absolutely. They just kept going. And, and, and it's not just in terms of writing. It's in terms of, of getting out there and networking. Those two things. If you do that and you're persistent about it, um, I do think that you will achieve what you want. Um, and you know, what I do, <laughs> I jump around a lot. It just makes it harder. You do have to work harder. You do have to be more persistent. Um, and in, in terms of the nasty element, I think that, <laughs> I think that as you, as we were discussing about children and about girls and, and when my daughter was exactly the same as your niece, just that ability to say whatever the hell you want when you want it and, and claim your boundaries, um, I think is such a hugely important thing. And I don't care what you want to call it. If you want to call it nasty, call it nasty. But that's what I think we need to do as women. Um, and I'm not sure if I've answered the question correctly. Have I? It's what it means for you. So absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, absolutely, I, mean, I, I actually love that idea of claiming your boundaries and claiming your space. Something that I think is particularly as women we tend to give away our space a lot absolutely yeah I absolutely agree and, and I, I you know I'm I'm now actually gaining in confidence recently I actually um would you believe I've ended up and I never thought I would do this but I have actually ended up working with a life coach I never thought I would do it but it's really interesting I have definitely 100% become a more confident person. And I was watching something recently. Yeah, it was it was that webinar um, from the Pitch Fund. And it was with this really, oh, a very impressive financier. So impressive. Just, she's exactly as we described, you know, those children. She just does what she wants, says what she wants, has no time to waste and is straight up. And she said, that when people are pitching to her, and I learned so much from this, the big thing, the big, my big takeaway was you have to ask for what you want. And we don't do that. I don't think women do that enough. We go in and we're nice mm -hmm. and we sit, we, we know we pitch our project and we make it interesting, but we do not ask for what we want. What do you want? And so this is the new me. <laughs> and okay. I, and you know, it's it's amazing. Like my children are kind of looking at me as if like, who is this person? It's just the same person, but just with the confidence that I, at some point in my life, I let go. And I think it was because, you know, in, in this artistic field, you get so many rejections along the way. Everybody does, everybody does. Um, that, that you can let it permeate, you know, your, but um, sometimes, you know, we can, I guess, help each other as well to, to, sit up and say you know we've as much right as anybody to this we're as good if not better because and we're probably better because we think we're not as good so we try harder um so 
you know, I just think that that that's something that I'm really learning now. Just this, the right to something. You know, you have the right to this, and you you ask for it, and it, don't be afraid to ask for it because the people at the other side are expecting you to, and if you don't, you just miss this huge opportunity. You know, it's almost as if you've wasted their time because you didn't ask for what you wanted, and now. So that's something huge that I've just learned. So I am sharing this with your listeners <laughs> for what it's worth. I, I love it. I think that's absolutely, I, yeah. I'm like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> yay. Um, and I'm just sitting and I'm thinking that confidence and, you know, doing life coaching and that thing that we do. And I think you're talking about going in and we picture ideas and we say, we need to claim our space and I just really hope that everybody's just listened to you and like heard that kind of confidence and how inspiring that is and just like whatever their gender is wherever they are sitting in the world whatever part of the industry or possibly even not in the industry they're in just like find your voice I guess yeah just claim it you know what what really made it um work for me was so I, one of the things I, I did was I signed up for a pitching class in the, in the States out of New York at the beginning of the year. So I was up at all hours of the night doing this with the other people, but I connected hugely with other people on the um, course. And we do this pitch um, session together every second Sunday. And most of them are American. In fact, all of them are American except for me. And they are amazing. They are so confident. Americans are so confident compared to Irish people. They're just naturally confident. And I I see this as a hugely positive thing. Um, And I've learned from them as well to be more confident. But, you know, I was at a point where I'd be trying to pitch my project and I'd pitch my project, okay? But then when I got to the bit of talking about myself, I'd be like, just, you know, and and they were kind of saying, Denise, what you need to do now is the next time you pitch, (laughs) bring in a cardboard cutout of yourself and talk about that third person then you'll be able to do it but but through them and just through their confidence um, and then through meeting the life coach through that group that all those steps have finally got me to where I need to be in terms of looking at it from the other person's point of view and and having that and knowing that they they just expect you to ask and if you don't ask you're missing a huge opportunity opportunity but also you're a bit of an idiot do you know what I mean like and if I say that to myself then I do it then I have to make then I have to do it yeah. so yeah I think you have to kind of some, sometimes trick yourself into you know doing things that are uncomfortable by just looking at the other person's point of view that they expect you to do it and if I think as well as because just having listened to that woman and she was just so powerful in herself in a really great way she was just such a strong woman you nearly got the impression that she grew up as a child and never had any knocks in in terms of she retained that huge childlike confidence um and so when she said well you have to ask like why are you here if you're not asking I'm thinking, okay right right from now on I'm asking and I have done I found myself on a call with a producer just saying that just saying so are you interested and if you know I would never have done that before mm-hmm. because I needed an answer because I needed to know if he wasn't I, I, I have only a certain amount of time to go to someone else yeah. so I just asked 
and it was not a big deal like the sky did not fall down yes fine and I got an answer and a commitment and and I was like after the call I was going wow it's actually easy yeah I love it you just that's it that's the lesson for today just Just ask yeah just ask just ask (laughs) (laughs) the new Nike logo I know. Uh, Denise, thank you so much. It's been so lovely to chat with you. Um, And please keep us up to date with everything that is happening. And uh, fingers crossed that you get your next draft done and start filming soon. Oh, thanks so much, Elaine. It's been such a treat. Such a joy. Um, Until next time, lovely listeners, stay nasty.